So we're back, Matthew chapter 5, and uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5 to 7. So if you have a Bible, open to Matthew 5, starting at verse 13. If you don't, would you grab one from the bookshelf? They're the white books right there. I know there's not enough for everybody, but you can share with those around you, so grab one. Turn to Matthew 5, verse 13. Um, as soon as one person finds it, you can tell us what page it's on to help the other people get there a little quicker. Like I said, we might have to share because it's not enough quite for everybody. But you can share with people around you. Um, this is just a reminder to bring your Bibles when we meet so that we can study God's Word. You can have it in front of you and you can see the things that we're talking about. What page is it? 559. Thank you. 559 is, that, is the right page. All right. So where have we been so far? Last, last semester we talked about the Beatitudes. What's a Beatitude? Just a question. Who remembers what a Beatitude is? The blessed are Yeah, the blessed are statements. Right. So we talked all about those. Blessed are this, blessed are this, blessed are this. Now we're kind of moving out of that. We, we did the last one and the, the transition last time we met. We're moving out of that to the rest of the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And that teaching is basically broken up into small portions of text talking about some specific things. And a lot of these things are probably going to be familiar to you. If you've been in church at any point or for any length of time, you'll probably have heard some of these things. But sometimes the things we've heard a lot are the things we most need to hear because we often try to pass over them. So we're going to start tonight with verses five, or sorry, excuse me, verses thirteen through sixteen of chapter five. So would you stand as I read that for us? This is what God's word says: "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house." In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is God's living and active word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you've given to us so that we might know you and know how we ought to live as Christians. Lord, would you change us through your spirit as we look at your word tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. This is not going to be a stretch for many of you, but I want you to imagine that you are the star of a play. Right? Not a stretch for many of you, I know, right? but you're the star, and you're getting ready to go out on the first time on the stage, and you walk out, you turn, you look at the audience, and you forget your lines. It's all gone. Right? I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever had that experience, because I don't, don't want to do that, but what do you think you would experience in that moment? Maybe you're speaking from experience, maybe you're just thinking about it. What would you feel in that moment? Horror. Horror. Yeah. Terror. Terror. Yeah. Uh-oh. Panic. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I know I have something I ought to say, but it's gone, right? Yeah, you start improvising, right? That's not a comfortable situation to be in, right? We can all agree on that. I think sometimes, though, as Christians, we actually kind of feel like that. And here's what I mean. We go to church on Sunday. We, we learn about what we ought to do and how we ought to live. We learn about it and talk about it on Sunday night. And then we walk out into the world and we're kind of like, what do I do now, right? Like, well, how do I, how do I interact with other people? How do I be a Christian in the world, what does that look like? And sometimes we forget our lines, right? And Jesus is talking to people about the kingdom of heaven. He's just talked about the, to them about all the people that are blessed in the kingdom of heaven. And now he's saying, hey, this is how people who are in the kingdom of heaven live when they go out into the world. And he starts by talking about their salt and they are light. And that's what he starts by talking about. 
And so it's helpful for us to look at that because Christians are still called to do the same thing that Jesus taught them all those years ago, to be salt and to be light. And this is probably something, like I said, many of you might have heard these terms or have heard this before, but it's a helpful reminder digging in of like, what does that actually mean for us? Because in a way, this passage tonight is helping us remember our lines, helping us remember what we ought to do when we walk out the door and into the world. So we're going to start. And there's really two simple things. What does it mean? What are we going to do tonight, right? We're going to talk about what it means to be salt and what it means to be light. So first, what does it mean to be salt? This is verse 13. Look at what it says with me. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Okay. When you think of salt, right, how do you typically use salt? You yourself. What for? Seasoning. Seasoning? Yeah. Lots Flavor. Of Lots of food. Yes. Is, is, is food better with salt? Most of the time. Yes, yes. Yeah, most of the time it can be, right? Uh, yeah, especially if there's no salt, right? Much salt is better. Yeah, good. Um, but when Jesus was speaking the people that you're speaking to would have a different thing that came to their minds probably first, before the idea of flavor and taste. Do you know what that would be? Anybody you know? should ask Ben. Ben, what would have come to their minds before flavor and taste? Currency. Currency? Yeah. yeah. What else? Preservation. Preservation. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's other things too. Even, <laughs> even fertilizer and things like that. But probably what would have come to their minds immediately is this idea of food preservation. Now, to us, that doesn't make any sense because we have refrigeration, right? We just stick something in the refrigerator and we leave it for days and often too long and we have to throw it away because we forget to eat it. But what they would use to preserve food back then was salt. Because you know what salt does? It actually prevents moisture from getting into the food. So they would get salt all over a piece of meat or some other food and then they could keep it out. And that way it would last weeks and months and sometimes even years, right? And that was their way of preserving food because they didn't have refrigeration. So when Jesus says to them, you are the salt of the earth, they might be thinking about flavor a little bit. They might be thinking about taste. But probably overwhelmingly, they're going to be thinking about this idea of preservation, of preventing decay. So what Jesus is telling to them is, actually, you go out into the world, and one of the things you do is you actually prevent decay in the world. That sounds really strange, right? But then he says this. He kind of follows it up. He says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Right? If salt is no longer distinctly salty... How does it get back to doing what it needs to do? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, why does he say that? It's a really strong language, right? But he's saying that if salt is meant to preserve food and preserve meat, if salt isn't salty and it just lets all the moisture in, it's going to spoil the food. You can only have meat out for a certain amount of time, literally hours left at room temperature. And so he's saying if salt doesn't do its job, all the moisture gets in, things decay very quickly. But the use of salt is actually to preserve things and keep them from decaying. And so he's looking at the people he's talking to and he's saying, you are, in, in essence, trying to preserve the world. You're trying to preserve what is good in the world. Keep what is good, keep what is true, and push back that which is evil. Stop it from happening. That's what he says. I want you to think about our, our game tonight, right? Uh, we had salty chips, like regular salty chips, and we had like 50% less sodium. And you can taste those. I encourage you, if you haven't already, go over there and taste, not now, but after we, after we meet, go over there and taste the difference, right? There is a very distinct difference. It tastes better. It, it, it feels better to us, right? Because there's a distinctness. There's a strength of salt, and that's its purpose, to preserve things. And here's what's amazing. We can preserve things for years and years and years. 
So there's a guy on YouTube named Steve1989, and what he does is he takes old army rations from years and years and years ago, and he opens them up, and he eats them, okay? We're talking years. I saw him this week eat 120-year-old pork, right? But it looked a lot like that spam, I'm going to be honest, because he opened it up, he scraped out everything, and he was able to eat what was inside, which is crazy to me, right? But think about that. The fact that something that would normally decay in hours, you can get to last 100 years through preservation, That is a powerful thing. And Jesus is saying, actually, as Christians, we play a key role in preserving the world and keeping decay from the world and pushing back the darkness. Now, what does that mean for you and me? What does it mean to push back decay, push back darkness, right? We can think about it really simply. As we're Christians, we're meant to stop things that are wrong from occurring in the world as much as possible. And that can be something on a very simple level. Maybe somebody knows you're a Christian, so they're going to speak differently and talk differently when they're around you, right? That's, in a way, pushing back decay, right? Because they're not using that kind of language. They're not talking about those kind of things while they're with you. And that's a way that we're pushing back, right? Or we're encouraging people to do the right thing, right? People are getting ready to cheat on tests, for example, and you, they ask you if you want to cheat as well, and you say no, right? You're stopping that. You're pushing back. So there are many ways, believe it or not, that we're called to push back the decay in the world. So my question to you is, what are ways that you can this week even do that? In the way that you and your friends talk, the way you speak to other people, the things that you do, what are ways that you can preserve the world? That's a unique calling to Christians. And it doesn't matter that you're, like, you might be saying, well, how can I do this, right? I'm only a student, or I'm only doing this, only doing that. But wherever you are, this is a call to all Christians to help preserve, to push back. So Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. So there's an idea of pushing back the decay. But there's also, he says that you are the light of the world. He says this, this is verses 14 through 16. He says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, what does light do? It's probably easier than salt, but what does light do? Reveals. It reveals, right? You can see, right? We can see one another because there's light on right now, right? Um, Yeah, much easier than salt, I think. For like modern, modern people, ancient people, light still helps them do the same thing, to see, right? And so he says, you're the light on the, of light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, right? Now, we're in Texas. There's not that many hills, right? But if there is, you can see it, right, from wherever you are, pretty much. Like Flagpole Hill, for example. You can see it. And the idea is, if you have a city that's built on top of a hill, the purpose is to be seen, right? You're not going to put something on top of a hill and hide it. That just doesn't make sense. For example, I went to uh, the college of the PCA, Covenant College, and it's on top of Lookout Mountain right? And you can see it from the surroundings. You can be driving down the highway and see it, or you can be in Chattanooga and see it. And the idea is it's not hidden, right? It's up there to be seen. And that's, that's part of who we are. And Jesus is saying, actually, as Christians, believe it or not, we're set on that hill in order to be seen, in order to be light to the world. And then he says this, nor do people light a lamp. This is verse 15. You can look at it with me. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Now, this is another, another thing where we need to probably go back in time and think about what it had been like for then. Like, think about how many lights you probably have in your house. You probably have multiple lights in each room, right? And, uh, and you know, double digits probably in your whole house, most, of, most likely. But back then, they would have had one light. It would have been one oil-burning lamp. That was it, right? So the sun goes down, and that's all you got is a lamp. So they're saying, why would you take your one lamp, which is supposed to give light to your whole house, and put a basket over it? Does that make any sense? 
What do you think? Does that make any sense? No. Not to mention it's going to go out once you do that, right? So they're saying, why would, you, why would you do that? And not only that, but they didn't just place that lamp on the ground in the middle of the floor. They would place it on a stand, right? Because if you place it on a stand, you get the surrounding aura of light. Rather than just if it's on the ground, you just get you know, the glow only so much. They'd have a lampstand, probably in the center of their house, most likely, which would give light to everything. And so they had one light. There was only one light there. And it would give light to the whole house. And he says, well, why would you put a basket over it? You wouldn't. And then he interprets what he says, right? He tells us what he means by it. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. He's saying, you are that light which is going out and enabling people to see. The good things that you do, those good works, are enabling them to see. But what is it enabling them to see? Who are they, who are they giving glory to? What does it say? Let me tell me. Who are they giving glory to in that verse? They may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father, your father who is in heaven. Yeah. So you notice he's saying you are the light of the world, but the ultimate purpose of the light is to enable them to see what is true, which is the Father who is in heaven and give glory to him. Okay, think again about our, our game, right? I had blindfolded people. It is not easy to eat blindfolded, is it? Especially those of you that did. Especially when you didn't know what you were eating, right? <laughs> it's very difficult to eat blindfolded. Why? Because we're meant to see. We're meant to be able to see things. And without being able to see, that gets really hard. Right? Imagine if you couldn't see anything and somebody said, hey, I want you to get from here out to your car, out to your parents' car without running into anything. If you were pitch black and you couldn't see, that's, that's not going to happen, especially if all of us get up and try to do it at the same time, right? It's not going to work. And so what Jesus is saying is there needs to be a light so that people can see and that Christians, believe it or not, are called to be that light. Uh, a couple of years ago, there were some uh, young boys in Thailand that were, that were uh, trapped in a cave system. I don't know, did anybody see this when it was happening? Right. Uh, they'd gone in there with their assistant soccer coach and got trapped because of the monsoon rains. And they were in there for days, days and days and days. And then divers kept trying to find them and didn't know what, they were gonna, what was going to happen. And at one point, you can see this video, you can go online and find it, of the diver who first found them. And they've been in a cave pitch black for what they figure out is 10 days. And then all of a sudden, imagine you're those boys, and all of a sudden you see a light in the water. You see a light coming up, and you hear the voice of a diver who says that we found you, and we're going to get you out, right? And little do these guys know, the diver isn't even, uh, he's not even Thai. He's from another country, basically saying, the world knows you're here, and we're going to get you out. Think about what hope that light would bring. Think about what promise that would bring. Think about what a gift that is. And Jesus is saying, hey, as Christians, believe it or not, you're supposed to be that light, into the world. So what does it look like for us, right? It can be really easy to think, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not a very good light, right? Sometimes I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, so I'm kind of flickering, maybe I go out. But Jesus is saying, through me, we're to be light in this world. Think about it this way. It's very tempting for us to put on the basket over our faith when we leave church. It's very easy to say, I'm just not going to get into those conversations. I'm just going to not you know, make it known what I believe. I'm just going to try to make things easy on myself, right? But Jesus is very clear. He's like, that's putting a basket over what's meant to shine. Not only are we not supposed to put a basket over our faith, but we're supposed to be set up on a stand. And the idea is this, wherever you are, whoever you are, God has put you on some type of stand. The friendships that you have, the people you know, the family, your family, the people you can influence, right? You, will all been, you have all been put on some type of stand. And Jesus is saying, the purpose of that is so you can give light to what's around you, so that people can see me. 
and that your life can be a testimony to the goodness of God and the glory of God. Now, I got to admit, oftentimes when we're thinking about being a testimony to something, we think about the goodness of ourselves, right? I want people to think I'm awesome. Who's ever had that thought? I would just love everybody to think I'm awesome. Okay, I think everybody's hand should probably go up, but oh, thank you, Truman. All right, so that's what we want, right? But Jesus is saying the purpose of the Christian life is actually so that people look not at ourselves, but rather at God. So I want you to think, right, if, if being salt is like pushing back decay, being light is bringing in what is good. So this week, what are ways you can push back what is evil in yourself and in the world, but also what are ways you can bring in the light so that others might see how good God is? But we look at something like being salt and being light, and we might say, that is great, but I'm not that good of a Christian right? People are going to look at me and say, well, they're hypocritical. They, they say this and they do this other thing, right? Or we can't really push back decay because we keep having decay in and of ourselves, right? We, we face problems. But here's the beauty of what Jesus is saying. He's not just saying, hey, do these things and you're on your own. Peace. I'll see you later, right? He's the one giving these words and he's the one enabling us to do this. Think about this. When we say that we're the light of the world, you know, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. That's what he said. He said, I am the light of the world. And so in essence, what we're meant to do is not produce this light in and of ourselves. We're meant to reflect the light that Christ has. We're meant to reflect the goodness of who he is and what he's done. And think about, think about keeping decay out of the world. What did Jesus do? He came into the world lived the perfectly righteous life and died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, pushing back evil, pushing back death and despair, right? And the greatness and the goodness of God's light is that Christ didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead on the third day, showing the beauty and the glory of God in all its fullness. Right? And all we're called to do is not create that kind of light ourselves, but rather reflect the goodness of who Jesus is. And here's the beauty of it. If we feel like, well, I'm inconsistent, I'm hypocritical, I'm, I'm not always going to follow, we can still go back to Christ again and again because he's paid the penalty for our sin. And we can say, yes, I might be inconsistent, but my Savior's not. I might be a flickering flame that doesn't always show the light of Christ, but Christ is perfect. He is the one. And, and there's a beauty to that because, again, we're not trying to make ourselves look awesome, right? We're trying to let other people see God and see his glory by the way we live. And that's what we're meant to do. And that's what we're enabled to do by Christ, by his power, not by our own. Going back to the story of those uh, boys in, in the cave in, in Thailand, eventually all of them were able to get out. They were all uh, safely transported out, but the divers had to go all the way in, sedate them, and then bring them all the way out. And there was one uh, Thai Navy SEAL who didn't make it. He, he spent his life, he gave his life for those kids so they, may buy, they might be free. They might be uh, brought back into light. And he was willing to do that. He said, uh, it's, you know, he, he basically made the choice that he was willing to go risk his life to do that. And in the same way, Christ has done that for us. He's come into the darkness, into the death, into the decay, and brought us out. And the beauty and goodness is not only did he die, but he rose again from the dead victoriously on the third day. And it's by his power that he then turns to us and says, as my disciples, as those who are reflecting me, your calling is to be salt and to be light. But the other gift is that we don't do this alone, we do this together. Just like salt, you don't need just like one grain of salt to preserve meat. You need a lot of salt, right? You need it together. That's why we're together. That's why we group together. And like light, right? Multiple lights together shine far brighter. And that's the gift of community that we're meant to do this together. We're meant to help one another 
together, to, for together to, to prevent decay in the world, together to bring light to the world. That's what we're meant to do. And, and Christ is saying this to the early Christian community. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And those are the same words that he gives to us. But again, he doesn't just leave us hanging, but he enables us to do this as we get to know him more and more, as we see him more and more in his word, as we walk more and more in his ways, as we live in this community together more and more. So my encouragement to you this week is, what are the ways that you can be salt and what are the ways you can be light? Not so people look at you, but so people look at God and glorify him through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for him being the light of the world. Thank you for the task that you've given to us to reflect that light, to push back darkness and decay in the world. Lord, that's a tough task. That's a tall order. But Lord, you don't leave us by ourselves. You've given us your Holy Spirit to enable us to do this. You've given us one another to do it together. So Lord, I pray you'd be, you'd, pray you'd be in all of our hearts, be work at work in all of them. Lord, show us ways, simple ways, that we can do these things this week, to be salt where we are and light where we are. Lord, encourage us by your spirit that you are able to do these good works in us for your glory and for our good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.